Aloha! You are listening to Inside the Desert Oasis Room, episode number 212. This episode is sponsored by the Tiki Bar T-Shirt Club, where their monthly t-shirt designs pay tribute to a Polynesian bar or restaurant from days long past. Each design is available for a limited time and will never be produced again. For the collectors out there, be sure to check out their subscription program, where they offer a discounted 3, 6, or 12-month plan, or you can always buy shirts one at a time. For more information and to check out this month's shirt, visit tikibartshirtclub.com. This podcast is sponsored by Frogtown Brewery, an independent craft brewery and tap room located in Northeast Los Angeles. Stop in and enjoy one of their excellent beers from their ever-changing, diverse menu. Tell them that Inside the Desert Oasis Room sent you and get your first pint on us. Limitations apply. For more information, go to frogtownbrewery.com and follow them on social media at Frogtown Brewery. It's ladies' night inside the Desert Oasis Room as we are joined by Addie Alonzo from Bamboo Club and Crystal Mendoza from Roxanne's and the Exhibition Room. On this episode, we chat about their dynamic backgrounds in mixology, their creative processes, their approach to competitive bartending, share travel stories, and more. As always, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did bringing it to you. If you'd like to follow our adventures, check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash polynesianpop where we chronicle events, bars, travel spots, cocktail tutorials, and more. And if you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash polynesianpop, where membership grants you early access to podcasts and videos, front-of-the-line privileges to new merch releases, as well as exclusive content, meetups, and screen credits. All righty, let's get into this. Make yourself a cocktail and join us inside the Desert Oasis Room. And give it up for my friends, Addie Alonzo and Crystal Mendoza. Aloha. Aloha, ladies. Hey. Hello. Thanks for coming to the Desert Oasis Room. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's oh so Oh my God, I'm so here. excited. I've, I've um, wanted to record with you guys for some time, ever since I met you guys at the Tropical Shakedown, which was a fun day. It really was. Super fun. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, all the cocktails there were really good, and um, God, it was, there was, I don't know how many there was. Was there what? Six. Six? Six of us. Six. Yeah. So six full drinks. Man. So the tough part for me was not really so much the judging, but was just not downing all of them. (laughs) Because after a day of just six full drinks, right? Mm -hmm. And I didn't have any food while I was there. So that's that's a heavy day of drinking. That's right. right. I yeah. just realized there was no food. I don't even know how long it lasted. Like how 
long did that whole event go? I know for me, it felt like it, it went by very, very fast. But yeah. like from a guest point of view, I wouldn't even be able to tell you. Yeah, I don't remember either. I, I want to say that. When did it start? Was it <laughs> was it like at the end of the day? I think it was around. We, well, we had to be there around five. Yeah. So I believe the event started at six. Okay. So because I remember being there into the evening. So there was probably a good four or five and six hours, maybe. Did you guys know each other before no. that event? No, actually. No. Okay. So you met there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know anybody that was next. Oh, the only person that I knew uh, was the bartender from Ordinaire. I believe his name. Jesse? Jesse, yes. Mm-hmm. I okay. was slightly acquainted with him, but that was basically everyone else. I brand new people. Was now are all of you guys same. friends? Does every body know each other now or you're still kind of like just acquaintances yeah i mean i would say now that we're pretty good friends i mean now i i talk to dane a lot more now that we have the long beach bartenders guild going right um sony i went to a socialist yesterday and he was bartending showed us some great drinks i was well he's been working on um so yeah and then he's also a finalist for one of the the right. Fernet bartending the competition Fernet, yeah. that we're having on Sunday. I had him here last awesome. month and we recorded a couple cocktail videos and then we also recorded a podcast interview, which I just released yesterday, actually. And um, he's an interesting fellow, you know. He's pretty well established for someone that's still on the 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 upcoming Mm -hmm. like he's already very skilled at what he does for a really young guy what's crazy to me is he's the same age as my son and so (gasps) yes is he 22 or 23 23 23 yeah Mm -hmm. and my son's 23 and so it was it's like wow like I'm hanging out with somebody that's the same age as my son. (laughs) Yeah, he's very passionate and he's very inspired and very motivated. You can see it in him. Always thinking outside the box. Yes, definitely. Yeah, if you listen to his podcast, when I ask him, like, you know, what what inspires your cocktails and how do you you create them? What's, What's your creative process? He says... I have friends from all different ethnic backgrounds and I look at all of their ethnic backgrounds and I think, what could I make from... This person's background, this person's background, that person's background. And I thought, wow, so that's like having the world at your fingertips, right? Because you're thinking not just of your own culture and what you know. Mm-hmm. You're looking like outside of all of that, you know. And then you, there's other things too, right? And I'm sure like experiences that you'll have with like when you travel, for example, which I want to talk to the both of you about because I love talking travel stories. <laughs> Me too. So, yeah, so we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But before we get started on that, I want people to know about your backgrounds because, you know, the thing is, everybody in that room at Tropical Shakedown was really talented. And I loved every cocktail except for one. I'll tell you guys what that is afterwards, <laughs> which I thought like, which I thought uh, this this shouldn't have been here. But um, and I'll tell you why. But I don't want to call anybody out. <laughs> so so I'll, I'll tell mine. you, it's not yours. It's not, and it's not yours either, Crystal. So, <laughs> thank so, you. Thank you. <laughs> I enjoyed both of your cocktails immensely. Actually, what was great about both your cocktails is they both had that ube flavor mm-hmm. in there yes. which i love right ah, yeah, i always grew up e- yeah eating ube because i'm filipino and only recently is is it really starting to pop up in everything which i think is really cool so seeing people get really creative with it and i want to ask you guys how you, well is that a secret though before i ask is that a secret to what how, how, how you guys used ube in your cocktails oh no no not at all okay because 
people have different ways of doing it. And I know somebody who's making a cocktail that he sells every year in mm-hmm. bottles during the, the holidays. Mm-hmm. He sells like maybe 50 or 60 or more bottles of this premix that he makes. And he won't tell me what it is, but I think I figured it out. <laughs> so I, w- I want to talk to you guys about that. So anyway, let's start with your guys' backgrounds because you both work at bars that I frequent and I enjoy. I'm going to start with Addy. I'm, I'm doing yeah, this no. in alphabetical <laughs> order. So. Okay. <laughs> so Addy, let's tell our audience where you are mixing drinks these days. Mm-hmm. And then tell us about your road to where you are today. Um, let's see. I am mixing drinks at the Bamboo Club out in Long Beach. Love it. Um, the east side of Long Beach. It is a tiki bar out there that has grown exponentially. Uh, we first started off just as a bar. And then the pandemic hit and we slowly started to incorporate like um, the restaurant with it. So expanding the food menu. Um, the food's really good there. Yeah. So I was there on opening night. I remember when Bamboo Club opened. I, the food wasn't really memorable to me. Mm-hmm. Or was there even food at that time? No, there was just like little bar food um, in the beginning. There was just... a guy that came in that started doing these burgers that were, I mean, like, you know, the brioche bun and all that stuff. And I had made a comment, and I was telling the truth, that it was the best burger I in my opinion, in Long Beach. Mm. And he was over the moon when I said that. You know? <laughs> because you don't expect, like, great food at a bar, right? Exactly. Because Bamboo yeah. Club is a little divey, right? It it's is. not like it has, a Trader Vic's. Right. It has those dive elements, which I personally do enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the food elevates it into it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not like, bar. I'm not dissing on dive bars because I love dive bars oh, too. Yeah. But, you know, most dive bars, when they have to meet a food requirement, they put a deep fryer in the corner. And that's why you get buffalo <laughs> wings yeah. And, yeah. And, and fries and, and, and onion and yeah and onion rings uh-huh. and yeah and fish and fish and chips and that everything's fried. Mm-hmm. Right. So but Bamboo Club is not doing that. So, uh, yeah. Awesome food. So how, how did you find your way to Bamboo Club? Actually, through the LA Weekly. Oh, you're kidding me! <laughs> what? No, I'm not. Um, I saw, yeah, I saw a segment on Bamboo Club, the LA Weekly, and I had just moved from San Francisco back to Long Beach. Oh, really? So yeah, so I was looking, um, I was just looking for somewhere to work, and I was like, you know what? And I had came from, so how I even got into it was. Um, I was working at a bar called Alamo Draft House. Well, it's actually a movie theater. Oh, yeah. I know the Alamo Uh Draft House. It's a movie theater and that offers drinks and cocktails, right? And so I was doing that out there. Um, Met some amazing mentors. Uh, Will Popko was one of the bar manager, was the bar manager. Um, And yeah, and so I just had these really amazing mentors. And then when I came to Long Beach, I was like, I still want to follow that being, being in a bar. Like, I missed that. The ambiance, I miss the, uh, just, you know, the conversations you have. Um, and then, so I opened up the LA Weekly, and at that time, I was just, you know, just kind of skimming through it, and I saw Long Beach's number one bar right now, and I was like, oh my hey, gosh. that sounds really fun to work at, and I went to go visit, and at this point, they were only open for about three months, 
And um, so you've been there that long? Yeah. Oh, how did I just meet you now? I I don't know. I was just kind of, well, we were running around a lot too, you know, from I was serving to being in the kitchen to being back at the bar to being the bar back. And like, it started kind of off like that. See, if I had a time machine and I could go back and to the times that I had visited there before, I wonder how many times you had served me or made me a cocktail or something. Yeah. That'd be interesting to see. Yeah. You know? And it's just such high volume. Sometimes we don't really get to spend time with the customer. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, here's your stuff. Thank you very much. Blah, blah, But yeah. Um, and then I applied. And the manager at that time, um, she just hit me back up. She was like, we have a position open for you. If you want it, it's a bar back position. I was like, yep, get me in. <laughs> so was that your first bar that you were actually bartending? No. Okay. I was at uh, Alamo Draft House before that. And you were bartending there? Yeah, I was bartending there. Um, I started off in the service well, which is uh, we had two two wells, and you make the cocktails for the people inside the movie theater. But it's, um, it's very, very high volume. We had a movie theater that held... Uh, 300 seats mm-hmm. so I mean that ticket machine was so you guys were like, making drinks for the guests in the movie theater yeah for the guests wow. in the movie theater yeah and we had specials so I've never we were been able to a movie around. theater with cocktails yeah there's yeah, one in Downey oh really like a dine-in experience yeah oh that sounds fun actually you know though if you were to go to a movie theater with cocktails because one of my pet peeves is people talking Oh, yeah. While I'm trying to watch a movie? Uh, Is that a problem with people? No. For Alamo Draft House, at least from my experience, they tell you in the beginning, if you talk, you're out. Like, you're out. No exceptions. Like, you cannot talk. Because... It ruins the experience. When I've been drinking, Uh I get like extra chat right <laughs> oh my gosh well i feel like as a guest i've never seen anything go down i mean you'll just hear like an occasional can open in the middle of a like silent section right right and then you'll see like the food runners going back and forth once in a while but it's usually like in the beginning yeah. and then it just like diminishes towards the middle yeah so yeah. it was fun it was fun being able to make these cocktails for these. What kind of cocktails were you making at Alamo Draft House? Were they similar um, to what you're doing now? Because Bamboo Club, not only are they tropicals, but, and correct me if I'm wrong, people expect a more crafted cocktail, right? At, at Bamboo Club? Um, well, they already know they're coming to a Because tiki, tiki people are, they're real picky like that, mm-hmm. right? Yes. But yes. then, so, you know, the reason why I say correct me if I'm wrong is because you know how much of the clientele really are tiki is it mm-hmm. is it 50% is it 20% like if it's only 20% then 80% of your clientele is not really they're not going to be as picky about the the crafted side of a tropical drink you know yeah i would definitely say it's somewhere between 70 to 80% our clientele are tiki okay yeah cuz you know the thing about opening a tiki bar is tough it what's tough about it is your patrons will criticize the drinks. They'll criticize the music, the decor, the food, the service, what the employees are wearing. Oh, yeah. The whole, like, tiki <laughs> if your ambiance, the whole escapism, the, um, the garnish, everything, mm-hmm. right? I always tell people, like, you know, if open a Thai restaurant. No one's going to criticize the cocktails. No one's going to criticize the music. No one's going to criticize the decor. Like, if you serve good food, you're going to get five stars on Yelp. Mm -hmm. But a tiki bar, man, any little thing, they're going to knock you. Expectations are high. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. It's it's a very critical 
um, scene yeah. to be a part of. Even like if you open some kind of a, a rum bar, they wouldn't have the same expectation as a tiki bar because tiki has all the, the visual aesthetic mm-hmm. and, and, and yeah, yeah. So if you open a rum bar, again, like as long as if the drinks are good, then mm-hmm. you'll get five stars on Yelp, right? So I was curious about that, like the difference between Alamo Draft House. I'm sure that people don't care about all those other things. Mm-hmm. No, um, I mean, we do have people that like their elevated drinks, but it was more of a craft <coughs> cocktail bar. Okay. Um, we served a lot of beers. We served like what I like to call like the adult milkshakes, you know, which is like just milkshakes with some booze in it. And um, I did like the daiquiris, but that's where I learned a lot of the technique because the mentors that I had there were very, very good and they loved their craft. They knew what they were doing. They loved talking about it. And um, yeah, you know, like the, your daiquiri was served on in a Nicanora, you know, oh. over some like crushed ice, you know. Interesting. And, like, things like that. And we had to like really squeeze every lime. And Okay, I have a dumb question. No. <laughs> What's the correct glassware for a daiquiri? A coupe. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so, cool. but a Nick and Nora, I guess, is considered a coupe? Is it's just, it? it is. I mean, you have your little sidecar, and then you have your, your coupe on the side, and you just kind of like, it's more um, of a, an experience, I guess. You could just kind of, yeah. you know, dump your little daiquiri in. But then it also keeps it cold, because we would have to travel, right, from our service walls into the theaters. So to keep it cold, they would just put in a little sidecar with, of, over crushed ice. Because when I hit the thrift stores and I see Nick and Nora glasses on the shelves, I always think, should I pick a couple of those up? But I always leave them because I think, what am I going to serve in those? Like I, I'm not a bartender. Mm-hmm. So I've had Christmas drinks in them before, like when someone does a, their version of a grasshopper yeah, and they'll serve it in a Nick and Nora, you know? That's uh, interesting. I've had it that way before. <laughs> yeah. I had it that way at the Blind Rabbit. Really? Yeah. With the grasshopper? <laughs> well, it was their version of a grasshopper. They didn't call it a grasshopper. They called it something else. I've actually had that one. I love grasshoppers, and I've I had too. that cocktail. I just don't remember the glassware it was in, but... Well, if I remember correctly, it was a, a Nick and Nora glass. It was my buddy, Frank Bowie, who's one of my favorite bartenders. I have lots of great stories about that guy. And um, he grated a Andy's mint on top yeah you know and his it was his version was just it was just better you know Mm -hmm. and I said oh I said I'd love to make one of these at home you know because sometimes the recipes are secret so I'm like (laughs) oh yeah that's right I'd love to make one of these at home and he told me what's in it and I was like oh cool like so what are the actual proportions and then no answer so I'm like right. so he told me what's in it but he told me like figure it basically figure it out figure out the proportions so I'll I'll figure it out you have to come by uh, Bamboo Club then because I just created one it's a rendition of uh, Grasshopper oh yeah but um, yeah we Made, like, so is that a holiday one. drink for you? Yeah, it's okay. a holiday drink for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So it's yep. that. It's I need that, to go buy. That sounds so yummy. Yeah. It's that and mint it, flavor, right? Yeah, which it makes it holiday. Like a thin mint. Yeah. It's so good. Love that. <laughs> Love that. So Crystal, what about you? I want to know too about your background and yeah. how you got to. Now, are you more in the Roxanne side or the exhibition room side? I split my time very equally with the with Roxanne's and the exhibition. Okay. Um, my main focus with the exhibition was industry nights every week. So every week, different cocktail menus. So we're always trying to get active with um, our create 
creative side and especially just like tapping in with different bartenders like we like to switch it up me and Addie uh, on our way over here we were talking about how her industry night was such a great turnout and she was like surprised at how many people showed up for her oh I love that people love to come out and support so I I mean every single time we have like a guest bartender or different bartender I mean I feel like people really come out and support um but yeah the I initially started at St. and Second on Second Street. That's where I picked up all my craft technique. Okay. Their menu changes every se- every season. So um, I was it's always been one of those you got to have a creative mind flow. So, Second Street in Belmont Shore. Yes. Okay. Uh, whiskey bar. They have a ton of whiskeys. Have you guys been? I've not. not. Ah. So this is how old I am because I'm an old man. So when I used to hang out in Second Street, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it it wasn't a craft cocktail destination. So, oh God, I'm ashamed to say it. I used to go to I used to go to a place there called Yankee Doodle. What? That sounds like fun. No, maybe it's like the shining. It was way back in the day. This was '90s. (laughs) So this was Long Beach was like a hub for. Lots of cool stuff in the mm-hmm. 90s. So there was um, there was Barwinkles, there was Moose McGillicuddy's, there was uh, Bobby McGee's, there was Yankee Doodle. These were all bars that we would go bar hopping. And I was in my 20s. So, you know, I wasn't really into and, you know, in my defense, the craft cocktail thing really hadn't started yet off, right yeah. it didn't start until like i don't know a decade later or more you know and so back then it was just all like there were like bro drinks you know <laughs> like long island iced teas and sex and on the beach and, and, yeah. and kamikazes yeah. and all this stupid fun shit stuff. that people would drink together just to get drunk like mm-hmm. who cares what it tastes like you yeah. know so um Yankee Doodle was one of those places, you know, we'd drink beer and do shots and that kind of thing. And and it was a place where you'd get burger and pizza. And it was two stories. It was two floors with bar food. Bar food and beer, mm-hmm. you know. Can you hear my cat outside? <laughs> yeah, so can cute. I, can, can I, I don't know if our listeners can hear one of my cats. I have four of them. Wow. So, yeah, I'm leaving it in, in. There if they can hear it. So, <laughs> yeah, they, they, um, they like to follow me around the house. So they hate closed doors. So, so anyway, so they're knocking uh, right now to the, yeah, they let me in. Yeah, they <laughs> let me in. in. Are you guys allergic to cats? I know. Okay, awesome. Because I've had people here before that are excited to come and record a bunch of content with me. And then they're like, oh, wait, you have cats? And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, like, <gasps> how are we going to do this? Oh. Yeah. Just sneezing everywhere. I know, right? Yeah, we'll end up doing a food challenge or something outside. You know, food <laughs> so, challenge outside. Yeah, but um, wow. so okay, so continue. So, how did you go from there to well, Roxanne's? the infamous pandemic? The pandemic hit. Um, so I was like, oh, you know what? I want to do uh something more laid back, um, something more chill, and ended up at Roxanne's thinking I was just gonna be just you know a bartender, but quickly went up to bar lead position and then we took over industry nights and right yeah it's been uphill since and then i started getting involved with the guild and that's a lot more projects now and just throwing events also on the weekends with roxanne's in the exhibition room just keeping our creatives minds just working love it yeah so 
Are the drinks different in exhibition room than they are from Roxanne? Oh, certainly. Yeah. Um, a total different experience. You know, there's a dress code. You need a reservation on the weekends, of course. Um, Monday nights, obviously, a little bit more laid back. Um, the cocktails are um, they're like a special price for industry folks, but you're still getting that craft experience um, as well at a discounted price. Yeah. Um, Friday and Saturday, there's live music, so the ambiance is so much more. Uh, relaxed and then up in the front and on, on the weekends it's a party scene out there right, I don't know if you guys right, have right. been at Roxanne's but you know there's a live DJ everyone's right. having fun just the pool table yeah the pool table and the patio so there was a guy that was playing a piano back there one time when I was back there and he was awesome oh yeah you probably know who I'm talking about uh, Alex Blanco He's I don't know his name years. he sang and he sang like really loud like Almost like he was yelling, you know. But he would mm-hmm. he would play kind of old timey music. Mm-hmm. So is that who? Uh, maybe I'm not too sure. We do rotate a lot of uh, musicians in there, okay. but Alex Blanco has definitely been very loyal to the exhibition room. Um, he loves the bar and he just loves what he does. He's very passionate about his uh, music career, which is amazing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Love it. Love it. Mm-hmm. Last time I was there was for. Your industry night. I know the week after was Addie's. Mm-hmm. I apologize for missing that. I had another. I don't forgive you. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's it's always a great time doing things with Don Papa. Um, yeah. Yeah, that industry night was a lot of fun. Oh, you were a guys, speaker. I'm going to have those guys. Yeah, I was a speaker. That's why yeah. I was there that night. Um, I'm going to have them here in a couple of days to oh, record no way. some content. How yeah. fun. Yeah, so Don Papa Cocktails, and uh, we're going to tell their story as well. So Yeah, that rum, yeah. I, ever since that competition, I feel like it really opened up like my potential and my inspiration like to everything. I started submitting cocktails uh, to competitions a lot more, and I just started getting involved. You know, I just started throwing myself out there. I was like, you know what, like... I did it for this why can't I do it for other things so I started oh, doing yeah, it in totally. Orange I mean that's how I ended up with that whole Hendrix trip you know right. because I just like threw myself out there I didn't even I was like I mean the chances of me winning are very very small but I'm still gonna They're go fun. for it yeah <laughs> but you know so that's the fun. thing so that's a great segue because I want to talk about that trip but that's the thing about putting yourself out there so I really believe in that, mm-hmm. right? So, like, doing what I'm doing, doing this, this is what I do for a living, right? So, putting myself out there, you, it's, there's a couple things that happen, right? You expand, like, your knowledge and what you know and your skills and all of that. But then it's also part of, like, a life experience, right? Like, if you don't take your chances, if you don't take any chances, you're never going to know, like, what's on the other side, right? Because right. You know, all the rewarding things in life don't come easy. They're, they're on the other side of discomfort, right? Mm-hmm. You have to throw yourself out there. Like, you guys entering that competition, I would argue, change the direction of your lives. Because if you didn't enter that competition, you'd still be doing the whole hum, same stuff that you're doing yes. today, right? Yeah. But this would change, like, everything that you did changed not only your perspective, but then, like, it took that path that you were on and it turned it yes you know and now you're on a different trajectory because you took that risk 
right? Yeah. Well, it's almost like if you don't you don't know what you're capable of until you kind of set that foot out. You're like, oh, I can do it. That's, why did I think that that was so right. scary or hard? Right. You know? And I feel like all of us realize that. You know, I, I, I was talking to Dane about it, too. He was like that. It just gave me the confidence. Like, exactly. Oh, totally. And, and you see right. it in a different. There's only so many bartenders that are actually dedicated to the craft. And, you know, we don't just do it just to make money or like just it's just a job. You know, it's we do it because we like it. You're passionate about mm-hmm. it. And you always want to do something better for yourself and the places where you work, right? Yes, You're always thinking outside the box. How can I make a better cocktail? Like the next competition you're in, I've talked to both of you about this because with Sonny, right? Sonny was like, um, and you know, he told this to me more than once. He's like, yeah. He's like, you know, I worked on that cocktail for five or six months and like we had game nights every night after work and he's like, I stopped going to game nights because I was just working on the cocktail. I spent hundreds of dollars on ingredients and doing it again and again and again and again and even after the competition, he still keeps working on that cocktail because I made a comment like, dude, every time I have this cocktail, it's a little, it's like a hair better than the last time. (laughs) He's like, I keep working on it because he keeps wanting to improve it, right? So then... When I talk to you guys, you're like, oh, yeah, next time it's game on because like I know. And so that's the thing is you guys are always thinking of elevating, 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 elevating. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Right. You would never think that way if you didn't put yourself out there that first time. Right. Right. Yeah. You'd just be in your comfort zone. Yep. So. It was definitely about getting out of the comfort zone. Yeah. So let's segue into the travel thing because you mentioned Hendrix. Yes. And you traveled for Hendrix. Tell us about that trip. Where did you go? How long did you stay? And yeah, that whole experience was so thought through. If anything described Hendrix was that trip. I wish literally everyone that's ever had a sip of Hendrix or hasn't (laughs) would experience what I did because it was literally out of this world. Um, So they flew us out um, to Scotland, um, which is where... Have you been there before? Never been. It's definitely been one of my destinations. We got so lucky with the weather. Um, it didn't rain. It wasn't too, too cold. They, um, Your photos, it look cold. <laughs> it, but honestly, it wasn't. I'm, I get cold for every like everything. I'm always wearing like three jackets. I'm like that crazy person when it comes, comes yeah, to cold I'm weather. I'm a California boy, man. Like, <laughs> I, I come from Texas. I love the heat. Like It needs to be warm. Right. Um, but yeah, we stayed in a castle, which was so magical. I literally felt like I was a princess. A real castle. A real legit castle know, right was it haunted <laughs> <laughs> you know it's kind of creepy and eerie because yeah. especially since they kept a lot of like the furniture and the bed frames from like back in the day yeah. but it was also like had a modern twist to it so it was like very pretty and gorgeous so the whole castle was uh for us i believe there was i think 12 of us and uh four of the individuals that made up the hendrix team i think it was four so uh, how how come there were so many people did they all travel with you um no so they had different winners from from different cities uh, there was one from Chicago and two from the east coast and then there was were four presenters that were traveling with us they're all doing big things in the industry honestly i was very inspired um they're all from different parts of different parts the of the country or uh, yeah, of yeah the, the world. states of the states okay mm-hmm. um and then of course we uh, had the uh 
two, three ambassadors. It was an East Coast ambassador, West Coast ambassador, which we're actually really lucky to have in Los Angeles. Our, the West Coast ambassador yeah. for Hendrix lives in California, which is amazing. Um, and then the global ambassador, which is Vance. Um, amazing individual. I mean, he's in those uh that week he's like taught me so much and it's very inspiring you know very eye-opening okay um so i'm curious i don't see any hendrix on the bar so i, I know we're not, I we're feel... not gonna make a hendrix cocktail <laughs> we're so. not but um i i am doing a gin drink and but i, I do feel like a little betrayal right but um oh, definitely i'm on your boyfriend i know right <laughs> i'm actually working on a cocktail that is going to be inspired by that trip um they oh have, very cool yeah i know yeah, I, yeah. they have this uh certain hendrix it's called hendrix neptunia they actually were inspired by the sea uh, by the coast over there in scotland so i, I really want to make it focus that on on scotland and my trip out there um but yeah they even took us to like a salt where they make a sea salt which is yeah, which was yeah. really really cool so we got to learn about how to make saw. We went mushroom foraging. Uh, we went to the gin palace, which was gin beautiful. Palace. We weren't, al- I know it's Crazy. literally called That's the gin awesome. palace, which is the distillery, of course. Yeah. We weren't allowed to take pictures inside of the distillery, but like the little lobbying area, um, they have their own greenhouses. Leslie, which is the female master distiller for Hendrix, is truly one of a kind. She has the longest hair ever. I have long hair, and she ha- her hair is very, very long. Um, but yeah, she's always traveling as well, so she's just very knowledgeable in that sense, for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. I find it interesting when you go through something like that to see what goes into a product. It helps you appreciate <gasps> yeah. what's in the, the bottle, right? Yeah, so definitely. I'm very good friends with people at Kohana Rum in Hawaii. And every time I go to Hawaii, I always end up at the distillery. And, you know, they do tours and stuff there. And um, I've done the tour. Like, I don't have to do it again. But mm-hmm. just to see it from the sugar cane, mm-hmm. the sugar cane just in the ground to having the bottle of rum in front of me, like mm-hmm. every drop means something. At least to me, right? And when I see those guys, or even like like Frogtown Brewery is one of my sponsors. So, and we've done collabs before where I've helped make beer, and they'll take a taste and then they'll just throw it in the sewer, and I'll be like, "What are you doing?" Like, because you see what goes through <laughs> the process, the process, yeah. right? And you think like, "Don't waste a drop." You know, it's it helps you really appreciate it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, because yeah, when yeah. you're around all these bottles. It's sometimes it's just like it's just another bottle, you know, right. and you forget that, you know, like that 20 year that thing was put in a barrel like in 2002. Exactly. Right. Some of these things and are the aged time, for so long. Yeah. The time that goes into mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you said they had their own uh, greenhouse. Yeah. So she's very she gets very inspired by uh, her greenhouse and also like the travels that she does. She even has a lot of like she has a, a cabinet of curiosity where sometimes they don't make it to the final steps of just like bottling it but she has like a lot of samples that she I know she showed us one that she went to uh, Veracruz and she distilled in the middle of the forest like literally like just with the things that they made and um and she has like a bottle of that and just exclusive to her with hopes obviously with it just hitting the market but 
it didn't make it. They have the Amazonian, which is only exclusive to Europe. So I brought, man, I should have brought that with me so you guys can try it. Yeah. I it's only available over there, um, in Europe for right now. But yeah, I oh, have wow. to snag so two cool. two bottles. Yeah. yeah, I should have. Darn, maybe next time we need to do this. That's again. fine. Next time, yeah, we'll do this <laughs> again. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, what would you say you learned the most? Well, let's, I was going to say not even from an interest industry perspective, but just in general, or both. I mean, like, what would you say you learned the most from that? Um, it was a very different experience because uh, we also went to London, and I've been to London a few times, and this experience was like literally like no other. You know, they really focused on um, getting us to know that what everyone else is doing as well. So, from an industry point of view, it was very eye opening to see what everyone else is doing because we did visit the number second bar in the world which is here in elementary which was a really cool experience we also went to a bar with uh, shapes for a name obsessed with that bar everything that they're doing and it's a, a very something that they have in common is that they have their it's a very small bar is they're they're not spacious at all or anything um and just all the the thinking that the bartenders do or the programs that they incorporate when it comes to like the ice the uh, what i did notice is they do a lot of like pre-batches so um it's a lot of like uh ready to drink cocktails but just like they pour it over ice but i mean it only makes sense because you have to take a lot of time to do that and for the service point of view it in order to pump out those cocktails you need a you need a pre-batch yeah um that's what a lot of people don't understand i think because they want to have that freshly squeezed squeeze the lime make the cocktail from scratch but sometimes you have to find a balance between the time that it takes yeah, to do yeah. that. You also, if you want that fresh cocktail, don't complain if it takes 40 minutes for you to get your drink. Because <laughs> right? they have yeah, other tickets time. that came in before you did. And you that's know? the thing that we run into a lot. You know, people want their tiki drink to be out fast, but it's like, I have to do five bottle pulls. You know, I have to pull from five bottles and it's like, it's not going to be as fast as just pulling mm-hmm. one bottle, pouring it over and like serving it to you, you know? Exactly. I had, I had a discussion yeah. once with Jeff Berry that, uh, you know, he was telling me the thing about these tiki cocktails, right, is, of course, everybody wants fresh ingredients with all top end stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And he says, sure, if you're at home, you can mm-hmm. you can make your Mai Tai or whatever cocktail it is with that aged spirit and fresh this, fresh that. You can take your time doing that and you can use all your stuff to do that. But when you're running a business, you have to find a balance between not only the time it takes to prepare the drink, but also the ingredients you use so that you can still make money because you're obviously not in the business of breaking even, you know. So he's like, you know, yeah, you want to use the best ingredients, but you can't use the best best because then people can't afford the drinks, you know. So. Yeah, so uh, a lot of people don't realize that. And that's behind the scenes stuff, right, in your industry. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. A lot that goes on behind the scenes. And and you can you can tell. And their menus, you'll see it as simple. They only have like five drinks on there. But I mean, you just start to think about the, the things that they have to go through in order to like actually execute this. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's not as easy as it seems. Right, right. Um, Never is. So I want to talk to you, Eddie, about Philippines because that's where I'm from. Oh. <laughs> what part of the Philippines are you from? I was born in Manila. Okay. And my family lived in Quezon City. 
but we're from Marikina. My mom is from Ilocos, and my dad is just from Manila. Um, my wife is from Bacolod. I know you probably don't know any of these. No, I just know Manila. <laughs> so you went to Manila, okay? Um, I actually went to Baguio. Baguio, yeah. We yeah. had my my grandparents still have a house there, and I mean they're they're long gone, but the house is still in the family. It's and yeah. it's in Baguio City, yeah. So, um, tell me about that trip because. What brought you to the Philippines? Well, I have a, a really good friend that lives out there. Um, he was born out there, and he moved over here uh, when we were in, like, high school. Okay. And then he went back. But um, I have a really close-knit friends. They were all, like, family. They're, like, mm-hmm. my brothers. So um, he was one of them that went over to the Philippines. And I was like, you know what, Alvin? I'm going to go visit you. He's like, Oh, I love it. His name it. is Come Alvin, on. too. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a Filipino name. It you is. Know? <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, I'm going to go visit you. He's like, yeah, let's do this. So then I ended up flying into Manila, taking, I think, like a 6 or 12 hour. I'm, I don't even remember. Oh, it had to be longer than that because I think direct, it'll be over 12 hours with layovers like there's layovers typically in hong kong or guam okay, and yeah. it, it i think it was brings it out to about like 16 hours mm-hmm. yeah so yeah. 18 hours sounds right yeah. yeah yeah and then i flew into manila and then i took a bus ride from manila to baguio oh interesting yeah did you so get on a crazy. bus or a jeepney was no, it a jeepney? I, no, I went on the jeepney when we went around like okay. the city of Baguio mm-hmm. okay. a little bit. Um, and the Talawan, I think Talawan. I don't know Talawan. It's like a little arts community. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I took the little jeep rides and okay. everyone is so nice in the Philippines. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if it's just because I look white, <laughs> but they just all stared, you know, they're just staring at you. You're like, wow. And then. No, you know, I'm what's like, different it's, about it's the crazy. Philippines oh my is gosh. what's different about there and China and even Japan, like in China and Japan. And this is not a diss. The, their culture is just that they very much keep to themselves, mm-hmm. you know, Um but in the Philippines, they love to welcome visitors. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, you'll you'll feel the difference. Yeah, that's and, my I dream mean, destination, Philippines. It's beautiful. My cocktail for the tropical shakedown was inspired by a Filipino dessert. My yeah. best friend is actually Filipino, and she inspired okay. me to make that cocktail. Okay. That's great. So when you, so your cocktail was the halo halo cocktail. Yes. So yeah, and they serve halo halo in the streets. Yeah, it's, like a, it's a street vending. Yeah, item I that's I need to go, and I keep on asking. I'm like, dude, when are you gonna take me? Like, please take me. I really want to go. It's it's been a destination of mine. We should plan a group trip. That would be that would be so fun. much fun. You can be our tour guide. Please. Well, I haven't been there. <gasps> I haven't been there. Like, so I was born in Manila, and then I came here when I was three years old, and I've never been back. What? Yeah, so you have to go visit. I like. To, I'd like to go back, but the problem that I have is uh, the main thing is I don't really have family there anymore because we all immigrated here within two years of each other. So mm. my parents immigrated here, obviously, with us, and then each of their siblings immigrated here within like a two year or three year period. So everybody was here. So we really didn't have family to visit there. So if we went there, we'd just be going as tourists, mm-hmm. believe it or not, even though we're from there and all of us were born there. Um, and now like both my parents, they, they've passed and a lot of the family members, like their siblings, they've passed or they're much older. Like I would just be going as a tourist. But my wife's parents and her brother moved back 
to retire there. And her brother moved there because he met a girl from there, and then they got married and they moved there. So I suppose we could visit them, but they're not in Manila. They're in Bacolod, which is we'd have to fly to Manila, and then we'd have to get on another plane and fly to Bacolod, which is another hour and a half. But I prefer the outskirts of, like, those little, um, I guess, towns, because they're just so much more, like, heartwarming and also you really get to see the culture of the people around there manila is very city-like right when i went there i was like oh wow this looks like a little mini vegas it's just like neon signs everywhere right, right. And, you know, what really yeah like uh, skyscrapers there's more people in manila than there is in la and new york combined crazy <gasps> yeah wow so yeah it's crazy i, I love to travel like around there you know on the outskirts of all that like i uh we took um a bus ride to sagada uh-huh. And that is a mountain um, where they have the ceremony where you get to see, like, the sunrise through the mountains. And there's a ton of people oh, that's there. That's beautiful. And it's it's so nice. Like, you got to camp there. And, um, yeah, we just got to see the sunrise. And there, you know, you go through the mountains and you see the rice paddies. You see, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and then they have uh, coffee. They're known for their coffee right. out there. Right, yeah. So, um yeah, and I just I love that trip. I mean, everybody was amazing. I got to meet some of like my be- like Alvin's uh, dad, and where he lived was just all country, and it was just so beautiful. And it's just like the land, and mm-hmm. you know, and he he has a a, a little uh, what is, I guess it's like a motorcycle, but that has like a sidecar to it. Yeah, in Manila they have, I guess they call them tricycles. It's like a box over a motorcycle, but some of them are like three wheels uh-huh. and they use them as taxis yeah like the taxis yeah mm-hmm. so that's what he has and he was able to take us around like little countryside and oh, it's just cool. so beautiful that's so fun so beautiful. how long were you there i was there for a week and a half okay yeah and um i love ube Ube so do I. Was like amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everything had ube. That's like the like, national dessert oh, over there. Wow. Yeah, there was like ube cake, ube drinks, ube ice cream, and I was so in love. I was like, yes, give me one of ube everything. See, growing up as a Filipino, right, like ube is just one of the dishes that we eat, right? Mm-hmm. So if you go to a Filipino bakery, you can get a cake or you could get like, you know, bread or whatever with ube in it, right? And then in my... Younger years, like when I say younger, like in my 20s, people would be like, oh, I went to this party and there was this loaf that was bright purple and they thought it was so funny. And I'd be like, yeah, that's ube. That's bright purple because of the color Mm -hmm. of the... Of the yam. Yeah, of the yam. It's a purple yam. Mm -hmm. So back then that was weird for them. But now you go somewhere and there's ube this, ube that. And like, and it's places that think they're being progressive you know we're cool because we have ube something on our menu and it's like you know screw you guys man Uh, ube i've had like my whole life you know so um it's funny to see that now even ambitious ales uh released a a ube beer did you guys get to try that one i have not tried that one yet no no so good that sounds interesting so i'm curious about how you guys are using ube flavors because I see that there's, there's like, I don't know if there's syrups or, like, they come in bottles. They just say, like, ube flavoring. The concentrate? Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah, it's just a concentrate. That's actually what I used for, um, to make... Concentrate of what? Is it just a... It's just ube. 
It's like pressed, like straight uber. up uber. But pressed, to, and then they just mix it with water or something, or like, yeah, or like um, alcohol as well, because to preserve yeah, to preserve it, it. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but you have to read the label because some of them are artificially flavored, uh, and then right. some are are naturally flavored ube concentrates. Okay. There's also a powder that I I've seen the powder. Yeah, that I discovered when I was making that cocktail for the tropical shakedown um, because I wanted it to be a little more ube flavored mm-hmm. without it um, having like the back end of the tincture, so to speak. Did you use did you make the cocktail with both and see which one so you did I did yeah and then the flavor you just picked the one that had the better flavor that the flavor that you liked yeah and the powder actually gave it a, a brighter purple right okay brighter purple color yeah there was a, a, definitely a vibrant color to yours for yeah. sure yeah it was really pretty really yeah. pretty purple um so the person that I know that makes I don't want to say his name <laughs> mm-hmm. the person that I know that makes his ube cocktail I think he's using ube ice cream. Oh yeah, just I think he's using the magnolia. Like if you go to any Filipino grocery store, or you can even find it at like Albertsons, but Ninety Nine Ranch Market or any Filipino grocery store like Seafood City, or even like the smaller ones that you see like in these little strip malls, they'll have Filipino ice cream in them, right? Is he melting um, it? I think what he's doing is he's. I don't know if he's leaving it out. I assume he's leaving it out so that it melts. And then he's probably mixing like a coconut water or a coconut milk, probably a coconut milk to dilute it down. And then he's just adding rum to it. Because so it's just like a ready to drink thing. You just pour it over ice. Yeah. Yeah. Because oh. what he'll do is he'll batch it. Okay. And then he'll just pour it over ice. Uh, sometimes like he'll pour it over crushed ice and sometimes he'll chill it and he'll pour it like a coquito, you know, like in, mm-hmm. a, yeah. in a coop. Mm-hmm. But um, one time it just dawned on me because <laughs> so we won a cocktail competition with that. We won best cocktail at Tiki Caliente like in 2018 or 2019. And because uh, he was with a brand that used to be one of my biggest sponsors that we did everything together. Mm-hmm. And um, we won. Desert Oasis Room won with that. Oh, my gosh. And but he would never share the recipe with me. <laughs> he's, and probably, then, he's probably listening to this being like, ha, ha, yeah, ha, you'll yeah. never know, Adrian. And then <laughs> one day, like, and he would sell them in bottles during Christmas, which, you know, is highly illegal, right? Right. But, <laughs> but he would post on Instagram, if anybody wants them, I'm, you know, um, he was bottling them and, and, you know, he'd sell them for whatever, you know, and people would buy them for their Christmas parties, you know. And then one day I was drinking it and I thought... Son of a bitch! I think this is the ice cream, but oh my God. because it just had that flavor, and I thought, you know, I wonder if I make. I'm just too lazy to make it, but I thought I should go get some ice cream and then mix it with like coconut milk and just and then put some rum in it and see if I could get the flavor. But but I even said to him, I think I figured out your your drink, and then he started <laughs> laughing. He goes, "It's pretty simple, huh?" And I said. I said, oh it's stupid simple. He goes, yeah, it's stupid simple. And he's, he never told me what it was, right? right? He was just saying like, yeah, it's stupid simple. He's like, but you just don't know the proportions. And I'm like, I could figure that out. I'll figure that out, right? He just gave himself away Trial and error, then. right? Like, yeah. oh, this is too coconutty. Maybe dial back the coconut milk. Yeah. Or this is too, too thick. Maybe dilute it a little bit more or mm-hmm. whatever. You know, you figure it out. Yeah. 
If you do decide to make it, try using coconut cream. Coconut cream. Yeah. Okay. So the milk. The milk will be, um, it has kind of like a milky f- flavor already. Okay. Like coconut milk. I don't know. That's what we use for, like, in, instead of, like, a Coco Lopez, we use a coconut cream. Okay. And we just cut it with some simple syrup, and that's it. Cause instead you'll get of more Coco of a, Lopez, okay. Mm-hmm. You'll get Love more it. of a coconut flavor. Ah. Yeah. And you cut it with simple. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to figure out, I mentioned my, my buddy Frank Bowie. He makes a coconut cream that was just delicious. And I was trying to reverse engineer it. He wouldn't tell me either. And I thought, like, is it coconut cream and condensed milk? Like, is that how he sweetened it? Because I thought I tasted that Mm. in there, right? Mm -hmm. Then I started doing, like, drinks that had that coconut cream ingredient with that mix that I made. And it didn't taste like his drink, but but it still made a good cocktail. Like, I did a whole episode around it here. And, um, of course, everybody, they loved it, but it wasn't the same as what I tasted that he gave me. So I'm going to give that a try. So let's talk about your processes because, speaking of that, how are you guys developing your cocktails, like, generally? And for a contest, if you do it for a competition... Is it different? Are you doing something different than what you do to develop cocktails for the bar? So what's Definitely. your creative process? You have yeah. to know your audience for sure. Mm-hmm. You That's know, a good uh, especially you have to figure out who your not figure out who your judges are, but you know the last one that I did. Who uh, you're serving the drink to? Exactly, it was a people's choice, and you can't just get you can't be too intricate with it because most of the guests aren't like mixologists are like hella into bartending you know so it, i you you can choose your sp- for this one you can choose your spare one with tito's so everyone loves tito's i mean tito's is very well known and stuff so I, I would say um definitely know who you're serving it to and then my next step would be okay what kind of angle what kind of story am i trying to tell Oh, that's always about the story. That's yeah, awesome. yeah, I love that the story. And then also, how does the story tie in with the spirit that you're working with? I, I try to go with that angle as well. And then I'll go with the color. So I'm like, I get, I get focused on what kind of color I'm trying to accomplish with the drink. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I'll start to go with like the fruits and the herbs, and then go forward. And also, obviously, trying to complement it with what the spirit is distilled with, okay. and all of that. And yeah, just try to develop a story around that. What about yeah, you? Yeah, I agree with you. You definitely have to know an audience. Um, like for me, right now around the holiday, everyone wants a holiday, a holiday cocktail. Mm-hmm. So I try to be like, okay, well, what do I think about when I think about holiday, Christmas, nutmeg, cinnamon, you know, chocolate, and then just kind of start from there and then create something like that. Um, definitely, I agree with you on story. A lot of my cocktails yeah. have stories too. The stories um, are so important. Yeah, it gives it gives it life. Yeah, I think that's like my starting point too. You know, like I like to transport. I come from a background of like being in the kitchen, so flavor for me is always something that I'm like trying to um, export you with. Um, it, even if it's something like a simple cocktail, you know, it's like this is going to take you somewhere else and you're going to try to remember this drink for the night, you know. Um, so story wise is, is definitely, definitely there. Like when I did the industry night, mm-hmm. I um, did it all around 
my Mexican memories from like going to Ensenada to Mexicali, um, bike riding in the deserts, you know, like what kind of um, smells I would smell and things I would see and the fruits that I would taste. And then I'd be like, I'm gonna make that into a cocktail. Yeah, I love when cocktails do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How hard is it to come up with a new cocktail? Um, it depends. I think um, a lot of it has to do with the ingredients. Okay. Because um, you can have an idea and the idea will sound good, you know, and you're like, oh, hell yeah, I'm going to try to execute that. And then you put it all together and you're like, this is not good. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, and you, have to, you just have to tweak it. You just have to tweak it. And then the you just keep tweaking it. Do you ever mm-hmm. get to one where you're, you're like, I just can't seem to nail this one down and then you let it go? Or do you... Do you just put it to the side and say, I'm going to work on that. I'm going to keep working on that again. And then I'm going to get it. Or do you just say, you know what? It was a great idea on paper. I can't make it work. Do you ever get to that? Well, for me, when I hit that block, I start to talk to bartenders. And then I just start reading. And I'm like, okay, I, I need to keep going with this. Yeah. It's gonna, it has to work. So I start getting, um, I start making it at the bar. And then I just start giving it to either like guests or I, um, even with the bartenders and Ask even with the bartenders. Opinion, like, hey, what's, yeah. what's this missing? You, you'd be surprised. I mean, I remember with um, one of the cocktails, um, there's so many different spirits out there and I was I wanted to go towards a cherry angle and I remember Devin like well here's like a cherry vermouth I was like I didn't even know we had a cherry vermouth you know it was like a simple little thing and it just it made the cocktail come together Um, so I think I really struggle with um, just finding like uh, that certain spirit that just brings it all together like that cherry vermouth like really did it um, and there's so many different ingredients that you can add ton. from like bitters to right. there's so um, many like citric acid, right. you know, like right. things like that that can really brighten up your cocktail and just bring all the elements together. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I have a question for the both of you that I ask every bartender that I've had on the podcast. So I'm thinking. So real quick, we are approaching the one hour mark. And I like to keep the podcast at about an hour. Mm-hmm. So we'll close with this question. I do have a bunch of fun questions I want to ask you. Maybe we'll do that in the video. Oh, yeah. So let's do that. So let's let's close with this question. Let me start by saying that I'm a big fan of cooking shows. <laughs> so Iron yes. Chef, Master Chef, um, Next know Level Chef. Going. I know where this uh-huh. is going. You know what I'm going to ask. Yes, 100%. So, you know, a lot of these guys are celebrated for where they learned and how they learned. So if you have a contestant on MasterChef, you know, when that first started, it was really amateurs. And if you showed a lot of potential, Gordon Ramsay might send you to culinary school and say, young man, you have the potential to be the next great chef. I'm going to send you to culinary school and pay for the whole thing. Then it's a big, like, fuzzy moment. People are crying and all this and that, right? And then, you know, they get out of culinary school and then they they start working in maybe one of Gordon's restaurants or one of the other judges' restaurants to help mentor this person and really make them the best that they can be. And sometimes these people, and chefs like Gordon Ramsay, for example, are celebrated for where they went to school. Like maybe they went to the Cordon Bleu or right. who they studied under mm-hmm. Pierre, blah, 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 mm-hmm. you know. 
But in the bartending world, if you go to bartending school, (laughs) (laughs) people are like, yeah, right? They don't want you to be educated that way. They want you to learn the Mm -hmm. hard way. So I'm curious what your thoughts are about that, why you think that is, because both, both of these disciplines work under the same roof. Right. The chef in the back and the bartender in the front. But the cultures are so different. Yeah. So okay. my question is, why do you think that is? I don't know the answer. It's truly crazy, honestly. <laughs> um, I think everyone has their own answer to it. But I, I don't know. Maybe because... Um, like, oh, he went to bartending school? He can't work here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see that? Never put that on your resume, you guys. If you go to a bartending school, do not put it on your resume. <laughs> right? Oh, my god. No. Um, I don't know. I think that maybe experience has a lot to do with it like yes you can go to school but if you don't know how to handle a crowd read a crowd see hey you know what i'm gonna cut this person off or even how to talk about a certain cocktail or a certain spirit i think maybe that's something that yeah they that, see that as the school can't teach you stuff like no. that like service and just being like efficient and fast and creative like multitasking and multi and, yeah. you know and like high pressure um, do they teach those things in culinary school or they just teach you like cooking uh i don't know i i i don't i truly don't know the answer to that i don't know but i do know that when you are in culinary school it's the same thing you kind of start from the bottom right they're not going to just put you as a sous chef all right cool you went to school Mm -hmm. i'm gonna put you as a sous chef no you start in the prep and then you go from prep to fryer or from fryer to grill or whatever, you know, the steps may be. But so. but if you were to go to a restaurant, especially like a high-end restaurant like Crustacean in Beverly Hills or something like that, Houston's or whatever, they're going to want to know where you went to culinary school. They're going right. to want to know like, oh, you didn't go to culinary school? What are you doing here? You need to go to culinary school first before we're even going to look at your resume, right? I think that but the bartending you- thing is like the total oh, opposite. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Your school is like whatever bar you're coming from. You Mm -hmm. get an idea of what kind of bartending techniques you're you're using now. Yeah, that that one is truly very interesting. So that's an interesting... It's it's crazy that you even say that, though, because now, I don't know if you guys have seen, there's like a um, drink masters. I thought that's what he was going to ask. No, yeah. That, and well, obviously, I was like thinking about the bartending school, too. I was like, uh, I actually saw them in Portland Cocktail Week, um, Yuzu, and I forgot that lady, the one with the shaved head, the one with the color hair. drink masters? The drink masters, yeah, they were out in Portland Cocktail Week. So look, okay, so (laughs) I'm going to say this about drink masters. As somebody who hasn't even watched it yet, uh-huh. look, I'm in bars a lot. I'm in bars a lot, mm-hmm. right? And I know all you guys, the bars that you're at, I know all the bars that I go to in LA, the bars in Orange County, South Orange County, and then Empire. I know bartenders all over. I know spirits reps all over. Like, it's my life, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when I saw Drink Masters and I saw like the faces and names and I thought like, who the fuck are these people? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Right? I thought, yeah. Yeah, I thought so the same thing. Like, I'm who like, are these people? I'm going to be a drink snob like that because in my mm-hmm. perspective, like, should be somebody that we've all heard of, in mm-hmm. my opinion, right? Yeah. They're on TV. They're competing on TV. Like, should be a recognizable name. None of them are recognizable. Mm-hmm. So... Right maybe it's bat, season two if they're maybe if, maybe right off the bat to me that affects the credibility oh you know maybe yeah. like i'm being too unreasonable about that or too snobby about that but like if you're gonna compete on tv 
be recognizable even in any little way. Right. You know? But I kind of like that they're giving um, a, a light to, like they're shining, shining light to an underdog, you know, because it is something that um, it takes a lot of practice, a lot of patience and a lot of knowledge and technique, you know, to know why you're doing something or how to do it. Like some of these techniques that they were doing, I'm like, I've never seen that before. What the hell? Not only that, that, the time constraints. I was like, there's no way they're doing that in an hour or how much ever time they give them. There's no way. I mean, don't get me wrong. It is a little cheesy. And, you know, some some points of it. And cocktail making does not happen like that, I feel. It does not happen like that. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I mean, it was interesting to see some of the techniques that I've never even, you know, I should watch it, but I've before. I've already turned my but nose it is, up. It, at it, it. it is it is pretty cheesy. It. it is a, okay. it is a pretty cheesy thing yeah. to kind of watch. It's on my I watch like list. four episodes. I'm just I'll glad they gave us it. a platform. I'll you know what? It. Like yeah. we're an art. Yeah. We're not just pouring two things in one glass. Like we're we're here for like the real thing. You know. So I really enjoy that aspect for sure. I just know that. I mean, I've been to a lot of bar com- competitions too. I'm not saying this to brag, but like that month that I judged Tropical Shakedown, I mm-hmm. also judged the prelims for Tiki Oasis cocktail competition. Mm-hmm. I judged the competition at uh, Secret Island, uh, the Secret Island Tiki Expo. And then I judged, uh, it wasn't cocktail, but I was also like a Miss Tiki LA, uh, Miss Tiki LA judge. Like I've, like I've seen I and mean, been part of competitions, right? right? Not as a bartender, because I'm not a bartender, but as a consumer and somebody who knows cocktails. And um, I, so I know like what an intense competition is. Like Tropical Shakedown, everybody there had their A game on, except for one. The one. I'll oh, wait, tell you I want to know. I'll who? tell you after. You don't know the tea? <laughs> no, yeah. spill the tea. I'll tell you after. And, um, you know, like I just can't see this Drink Masters thing being, because even the judges, like, who are you? Who are they? There were some people that yeah, were there they? was some I forgot their names, but you know, it's people that wrote like exactly. book or exactly. I mean, I David DeGroff was there, like, wasn't you know? wasn't he? David DeGroff was on on yeah, there. David yeah, David DeGroff was on. He was like yeah, the yeah. Cosmopolitan. Okay. And then there was like a, a a pastry chef, a chocolate pastry chef. Um, he's pretty well known. So the guests that were in there, they they I think they were pretty um, credible and stuff. But just the bartenders, we just kind of okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, once you're in this craft cocktail world, especially here in Southern California, it's so small. Everybody knows each other. Everybody knows each other's reputations. Mm-hmm. I just kind of feel like, you know, <laughs> like there should be more We just need some LA abuse, um, you know representation I mean? I on that show. So, okay, I'm going to get hate, you know, <laughs> put it in the comments below. <laughs> right. <laughs> Tell me what you think. I have a question for you, Adrian. Yeah. When you're, when you're like judging these competitions, who comes up with the requirements as like, as far as what it is that you guys are looking for? So is it all of you guys or? That's a great question. So sometimes that comes from like, so for example, um, Tropical Shakedown, it came from Don Papa. Okay. Tomas specifically. So the spirits vendor might, the, the event organizer might, um, one of the competitions, the judges collectively decide. So like, for example, one of the competitions that I was judging, we we talked ahead of time. Okay, what are, what's our criteria? So, and there are some general criteria that you should be judged on, right? Um, presentation, balance, um, the theming. So like, for example, the theme for um, Tiki Oasis this year was Caribbean or like back to the tropics, but it was specifically Caribbean. There was only one person who made a cocktail based on the theme. 
you know and so like you know you're you're creating a cocktail for a specific thing yeah like are you even thinking about what you're creating the cocktail for just like what you said you know your audience yeah right? that's one thing that uh one of my mentors told me when it comes to submitting uh, uh cocktail recipes for competitions that half of those people do not follow the rules oh yeah they do not pay attention for you the know. oasis one you had to use Kapali rum because they were sponsoring it right Kapali and I forgot who the other ones were um, there were other brands and some of these people didn't even use the sponsor's product <laughs> oh my you gosh and so I'm you're like, automatically knocked off like yeah, they don't even you're automatically yeah. like not in the consideration so yeah. like you you didn't you didn't make a cocktail based on the theme of the event and you didn't use a sponsor's <laughs> product or oh you gosh. use a sponsor's product in addition to their competitor's product right that's and it's a like that looks too. bad yeah. yeah you know so yeah. it's it's almost like common sense. And if you don't even think common sense, what are you doing here? Like, mm-hmm. this is a competition. You know, yeah. you got to bring your A game, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I don't have to be, like, in, a, in my defense, I don't have to be a, a great A mixologist to even know that, to judge that, right? As a consumer who, who knows what to look for, right off the bat, I would already say, okay, Take this off. Take this. This. These are all negatives for you. You know. So, right. We all. We're all. We all do that when we watch American Idol or when we watch, mm-hmm. you know, Master Chef or any competition. Yeah, any competition like show. we all know. Like we all have. Like oh, they didn't hit this or they didn't mm-hmm. do that. They shouldn't even. What are they doing there? They shouldn't mm-hmm. even be there. You know, like the old guy in Master Chef who made bacon and eggs, as a, like you know, what are you doing, dude? Like you're on TV. Why are you making bacon and eggs for them? You know that was me when I was watching Drink Master. I was like, "What do you you mean you're making an old-fashioned variation? Come on, like do something different." Game like you're in a competition. You're on TV, Mm -hmm. right? So, so um, I don't know if that answers the question. Mm -hmm. Like you guys, when you did Tropical Shakedown, that's what made the competition tight. Was the boy that you guys used the Don Papa product, and you guys weren't using other competitors' products. You know, so that to me, like, was that was of the summer and all the competitions that I had judged. That was the closest competition. It really was. Everybody, in my opinion, and I'm just speaking for myself, I know there were other judges, everybody was pretty much on the same playing field except for two. One, which was Sonny, obviously, who won, was a notch above, and one was more than a notch below but everybody else was like it was that tight like it would have been like if if Sonny didn't have like all those extra things that he did yeah then it would have been like then it would have been like how do we pick pick the winner because Mm -hmm. it was it would have been really difficult to to pick a winner you know but Sonny did all this did you watch the video of him making that cocktail here I did yeah did you hear all the stuff that he did to make like this syrup and this thing and this like he made, did so many things yeah like it was so complex that it was just like that's what kicked him up and then there was one that was like I was like dude like what is this I can make a better drink than this oh! <laughs> so and I'll tell you that after we turn the recorder <laughs> off so oh gosh well this was a fun recording thanks for being on the podcast thank you for having us Appreciate yeah it. thank you for inviting so us so for all of our listeners out there you're gonna want to watch our YouTube channel because we're about to make some cocktails we are and I'm gonna put the link for those in the description below so you guys just click on that and I'll also put the 
social media information for the two of you yep. and for the people that are maybe listening in their car or listening at the gym or anything like that do you guys want to throw those out there throughout your socials yeah um my instagram account is or the handle is warbat w-a-r underscore b-a-t and mine is uh cocktails w crystal awesome I love it. Thanks for being on the podcast again. And for all of our listeners out there that want to follow us, you you know that we're at Polynesian Pop. We also have a Patreon that helps bring this podcast to you every week. That's patreon.com slash Polynesian Pop. And check out the YouTube, youtube.com slash Polynesian Pop. We're going to put some videos up there right now. Thanks all for right. listening. You ready? Yes. All right, party people. Cheers <laughs> and aloha. Bye. Cheers. Bye.